Hey, welcome to The Good Complex. I'm Hillary Kennedy, and today we're talking about something that we've actually been talking about off air for a while, so yeah. it's going to be a cool time to talk about this. I'm here with Jeff Jones, man of many titles, talents, just generally all-around great guy. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for that. You for being here. Glad you're in a good mood. And yeah. we've enlisted an expert to help us tackle this topic because it's actually one that's it's, you know, it's a little tricky to talk about, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and really vital. Right, yeah. so that's why... Do you want me to go get the expert? <laughs> <laughs> nope, yeah. that's going to be you. Uh -oh. We're <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> we thought it was you, so no, we know that it's you. So Ryan Sanders, you are a veteran journalist. You're an ordained minister. You're an author. You are the commentary editor for the Dallas Morning News. So you really know your stuff, and you've written about these topics because you do like to write about civility, culture, the Bible, all the things we're going to be talking about today. So I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so that, you know, you may not know the origin story of the Good Complex, but it really started in, in large part, let's just go right to the heart of why we started it, which is uh, not trying to influence culture in a better direction, but also kind of a rebranding Christianity thing. Because as we, as we looked at the world, this started really with a conversation, an effort between some Jesus followers and some who weren't Jesus followers, but have a lot of respect for what Jesus came to bring into the world. Things that we all, I think, would agree with that the world desperately needs right now. Things like uh, treating people with dignity, whether you agree with them or not, and civility or uh, sacrificial love. And in the good complex, we have a lot of stories of sacrificial love. As Jesus said, this is this is the brand he told his followers. You know, this is how people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another the way that I've loved you. So that's the way we roll, right? And 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 that kind of thing. And so in a world that's so polarized where there's so much other stuff happening, thinking, man, how do we inject some more Jesus into this world? And And part of that too is a realization that in many ways in culture, and this will get us right to our to our topic today, Ryan, is that, that by and large, it's it feels like Christians and culture, certainly the reputation of Christians and culture, is the opposite of the brand, you know? And uh, I just went to a Chick-fil-A, which is normal. Uh, that's, you know, most <laughs> days I go to Chick-fil-A. Because you're an evangelical, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I guess that's part of the deal. <laughs> I knew yeah. I liked you, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and, I, and every time you go to Chick-fil-A, you know what you're going to expect, right? You, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be it's the their same. pleasure to it's serve you. Be, yeah, yep. mm -hmm. and... Um, and so you would expect with Christianity that what you would expect is Christians to be like Christ, hmm. you know, to all that stuff we just talked about. Well, that, of course, that's what Christian, every time you run into a Christian or you hear from a Christian, that's what you're going to expect. It's going to be that kind of stuff. But it feels like the, really the opposite of that is going on. And, and so part of the effort of the good complex is also to kind of rebrand Christianity hmm. too, to realize, Hey, it's not what you think. And for those of us who are Jesus followers, to be like, hey, let's remember the brand and, mm -hmm. and what we're here to do. But certainly when you think of uh, of Christians and culture and reputation of Christians and culture, um, you've, you've heard me talk the last two minutes. So how do you respond to that? Like, what do you, because yeah. uh, you've written some really perceptive articles, um, uh, not, not too far distant, not too long ago, on... Uh, kind of Christians and culture right now and what's happening. But so just react to that a little bit. Like what, what do you see going on right now? And yeah, I, I think I see what you see. I think, I think there's also a tendency among uh, the church, some in the church to sort of um, want um, to, to blame unbelievers for behaving like unbelievers. Right. Uh, the, we, we wring our hands about the rise of the nuns that, you know, NES nuns. Um, and we're worried about the rise in people who don't, uh, ascribe to any faith tradition. 
Um, and then we condemn them for behaving like people who don't ascribe to a faith tradition, right? We want them to behave, behave like Christians. Right. Uh, we want lost people, to, instead of expecting that lost people are going to behave like lost people. But we don't actually have a lot of time for expecting Christians to behave like Christians, uh, to Christians to behave like Christ. Um, so I think that's a correction that the church should make, and we, we are talking about it, and we are making it. And, and look, I mean, a lot of our bad PR is our own fault, but some of it's not. Some Sometimes Christians don't get a good don't get a break, right? Or get blamed um, for things they don't deserve blame for. But um, but none of that sort of changes the fact that, yeah, uh, people expect, people, we would be way better off if uh, we were as reliably Christ-like as Chick-fil-A is reliably, reliably <laughs> friendly, right? Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah. How would you describe the reputation of Christians in America right now? What does it look like to oh, you? Oh, man. Well, you know, I don't know if there's one answer to that, because I also think another thing that we evangelicals do is we sort of narrow, when we say Christian, we mean conservative evangelicals. Um, and so uh, I don't know if the if if people from my tradition, you know, sort of evangelicals have the same reputation in the culture as like mainline liberals or as Catholics or um, so we're not monolithic, which sort of adds to the yeah. challenge of can we all behave like Jesus did? when we're, you know, mm-hmm. pretty scattered. Um, and, and I think it, it changes, too, depending on kind of your your industry, your area of the country. I'm dodging your question is what I'm doing. <laughs> <See that? laughs> well, let's go with the evangelicals. So, and, and you probably have to just go, you know, probably white evangelicals, really. Yeah, yeah. You right. know, so so how, how would you describe what's going on right now, reputation yeah. of white evangelicals in yeah. our culture and— and I'm sure all those people are very well-meaning. It's not like they're out trying to make the world worse and make everybody hate them. So what what's going on? Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing that I've been talking to a lot of people about and doing a lot of thinking about and reading about is um, this, this mistake that we sort of made years and years ago that's sort of coming to a head where we've conflated the culture of the church with the culture of the country um, and the, the shorthand that we sort of created for that is Christian nationalism, that we're, um, there's a, a strain among evangelicalism that sort of believes that to be a real American, you've got to be an evangelical, or you, and you've probably got to be a white evangelical. Um, and that, you know, distortions of that sort of have given rise to, to some conflict in some really, really public ways. You know, that the riot on January 6th um, was full of people with Jesus flags and um Christian crosses and all that kind of stuff, um, and so unfortunately, that those that gets associated with evangelicalism. Uh, there was a line in the one of my columns that I wrote recently that I feel like evangelicalism is now evangelical is now a political word. It's like a party, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in itself is a loss. I think even I grew up evangelical meant something about the authority of the Bible and the offer of divine grace, and it was a theological distinction, and now it's a voting block, or at least our culture sees it as a voting block, and uh, I think that's regrettable. Yeah. yeah, it reminded me of a friend who is not a person of faith that asked me, you know, did you grow up in church? And I said, yes, I grew up in the Baptist church. And they said, oh, well, I don't want anything to do with that because in their mind, they associated it with the Westboro Baptist Church, Mm. which is that group that pickets funerals of service members and people who are gay and that sort of thing. And I was appalled by that because I was like, no, 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 
we're not the, it's, we're not the same group like we're we're doing two totally different things <laughs> yeah. um but it shocked me because i just i knew the difference but i didn't think about how many people just heard the word of the denomination and automatically their association went to a hate group yeah but you know what's interesting that I find is that I don't think people have that same association or that same negative connotation with Jesus. Yeah. I think people are still very interested in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that and there's actually a book. There was a book several years ago, something like, you know, they, they, they like Jesus, but they don't like his church or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's good news. And what an opportunity and what a testament to the enduring beauty of Jesus and his teachings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we uh, a friend of mine that's actually helping me write a book, um, and who is uh, we'll we'll interview him on the Good Complex at some point. Uh, is his name is Dwight? But um, I was I was having him. He's a branding guru and a branding expert. So as a pastor, I was just thinking, man, how do we how do we help recapture the Jesus brand as Christians and our you know and as people experience Christians because they see us as the opposite, right? Bigoted, mm-hmm. angry, mean whatever. And uh, so he through a common friend, uh, he's not a, he's a nun. I mean, he described himself as a N-O-N-E, mm-hmm. meaning no religious, what, you know, whatever. And uh, so I, super smart, one of the top branding gurus in the country. And uh, we, he was nice enough to take me to dinner and he was cordial because this common friend in business uh, and uh, I was talking to him about the problem, and so he got back with me, actually called and said, hey, I want to take you to dinner again, and he said, hey, I, I was going to tell you, you know, you asked if I would help with this branding thing. I was just letting you know I was going to tell you no, um, that I just don't have time or whatever, but he said underneath that, um, it had nothing to do with my time. It would have just been, I I would have expected, I he said, I, I wouldn't be able to do it because it would be immoral for me to help you. Mm. As a evangelical pastor in Dallas, Texas, he's up in the Northwest, um, there's no way I'm going to help you in any way with mm-hmm. your brand and getting your brand to people and gaining influence and all that because you're people who make the world worse, mm. not better. Mm. And and then he that was before he had you know, actually dove in and kind of listened to some things and understood what we were about and that we're not what he thought. And then he said, so I, that's on me. But he said, man, the world needs to know there's people like you that exist who are evangelicals. And And what I think about that is good on you for reaching, for using him or for reaching out or for being available to using him and not like, you know, I can only use people that, you know, here's the belief statement that you have to sign and agree with before you're going to work on my book project. Uh, it's the sort of the reverse of I, years ago. I had a friend. Uh, I still have. A, he's still a friend, uh, but a college buddy, and uh, we had a Facebook, you know, exchange, a Facebook argument. Don't ever do that. Um, <laughs> Never ends well, does it? No. Uh, we can get <laughs> off on social media later, but um, and he he just said something on Facebook that was like he was like, well, all Christians are just they're just bigoted, um, closed-minded, you know, whatever. And I, w- I kind of just raised my hand, you know, the digital, yeah. <laughs> and was like, hey, dude, you know, like, you know that I am a Christian and, and whatever. And he was like, oh, well, not you. You're cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Christians, the uh-huh. nameless uh, or the faceless, you know, kind of mm-hmm. throng, those people are all evil. And it's just easy for us. Um, I'm going to quote Dostoevsky here, and that's weird. But there's a line in the Brothers Karamazov where uh, uh, one of the characters says, uh, I love... I- 
I love humanity. It's just people that I can't stand. Yeah, right? Right, right. Some version of that. Yeah. Um, and if, if they if they had a chance, that guy connected with you. He got a different picture of Christianity that was probably more Christ-like. Hopefully, and it was more winsome, and it challenged his stereotype, his presumption about what all Christians are. So I think we need stuff like that to happen. Well, you brought up a good point, you know, telling Jeff you think it's great that he chose to work with someone who mm-hmm. didn't necessarily shame all, say, share all of his same ideas and beliefs and things like that. But I feel like a lot of Christians with what's going on in the culture right now, they are kind of retreating and forming their own schools and yes. media companies and social media and that sort of thing. Um, what do you think is going on there, and, and is there any danger in evangelical Christians doing that? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, there's nothing—Christians uh, ought to have the right to do that, the freedom to do that. That's great. Uh, my One of my kids actually goes to a Christian school. I got no, no problem with that at all. But I do think there's some value in—so um, maybe one way to think about this is— that great little couplet that Jesus gave us about being salt and light, right? And um, I think the light metaphor evangelicals get, like we, we, we get it, uh, bringing things in darkness into light, confession, coming to Jesus, even sitting on a hill, we're going we're gonna to behave in such a way that it shows uh, the beauty of the gospel and people are going to come to us. So it's attractional and it's, it, we understand the light metaphor. I won't belabor that anymore. I don't think we understand the salt metaphor nearly as well. And uh, one of the things about salt, and it, you've probably preached on this, but um, it, it creates flavor. It's, it was a preservative in the ancient world. So we need to be about preserving the culture, getting into the culture and preserving it rather than trying to punch our ticket out of here and just watching it burn. And I think even our theology informs that too, right? If, mm-hmm. you're, if your gospel is find your skate pod, uh, get your ticket out of here so you cannot be here when the whole thing falls apart, that's going to inform the way that you, you know, behave toward the culture. Um, but the other thing about salt, and, and salt creates flavor. I was in a, I was at a, this thing, um, well, I'll give a plug for the, uh, the Dallas Institute of Humanities and Culture, which is a terrific organization. We did a panel discussion with them this week, and one of the panelists said um, that the Hebrew word, I'm not sure it was Hebrew, some ancient language. We're not going to know the difference. <laughs> yeah, I was I, like, yeah. don't look to me. I'll look at Jeff. <laughs> um, I'm not as smart as this guy. Anyway, but he said that the, the word in this ancient language for wisdom was shared a etymology with the word for taste. And so he was saying wisdom ought to sort of leave a taste. It, wisdom has a taste. Uh, it creates sort of, oh, that was, that was really good. I want some more of that. It creates thirst for more. And I think um, people who don't believe like us, they ought to, if they spend an hour with an evangelical, they ought to leave going, Oh man, that was something. I want some more of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, create thirst for it. I'm belaboring the salt point, but one more thing about salt is salt when it's used in a preservative, it disappears into the thing that it's preserving. You don't use rub salt on a brisket or whatever, um, and then once it's done, you don't get to reuse that salt. It gets mm-hmm. used up. Mm-hmm. And what if evangelicals were willing to be used up in service to the culture, in preservation of the culture? What if we gave ourselves over to mm-hmm. We want to serve this uh, city. We want to serve this culture. We're willing to um, to kind of invest and disappear into it to transform it from the inside. And so I think the salt and light thing is helpful. Um, I love the idea of sort of work for the good, for the for the preservation and the good and the tastiness of the culture to which you sent, which you're sent. 
which is a different approach than we're going to circle our wagons and be off over here and make our own movies because their movies have cuss words in it or, you know, whatever. So, right. yeah. So let's talk about that kind of influence and how it can be positive. So, yeah, I remember, I remember talking about—I was talking about this at a church conference one time with pastors about rebranding Christianity and the need to rebrand. And so this girl was there who was a friend of somebody. I don't know why she brought her to this pastor's conference because she was atheistic, uh, angry at Christians and all that, but, mm. but liked her friend and said, hey, just come and— hang out and experience this, right? Which was, so she's in my thing on rebranding and about halfway through, there's, I don't know, a few hundred, probably 200 pastors in this thing. She raised her hand and she says, I can tell you uh, why Christians, why, why, you know, people in culture, you know, have a problem with Christians. I said, well, tell me. She said, because Christians are full of, sounded like spit. (laughs) Um, and, uh, And then she went on, right, to explain it. But, and and it was great. Like for the, I mean, for my purpose, like now this is awesome. This couldn't have been better. And we had a great conversation. I talked with her a long time afterwards too. And um, but it's not like Christians want to be full of spit, right? It's not like we want to repulse people. We're trying to. I mean, people. You know, these evangel. You know, are trying to make a difference in the world. They're they are trying to raise their family a certain way and have freedom to do that. They're trying to. They they feel like that their perspective, if everybody had their perspective, the world would be better. So mm-hmm. what can we do to make sure everybody has this perspective? You know, whatever, right? So tell us about, like, where does it go wrong? Because I think the motive is right, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but the methodology yeah. or the approach is, so, yeah, yeah. What, what's, going, I, what's going um, on? So I think that's right. And we cannot endorse a kind of system of a, a marketplace of ideas where, um where we don't get to participate or where there is no competition for of ideas. There is no marketplace. And we, you, right. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it is valid for, we have a, we have a vision of anyone who sort of follows the teach, want, tries to follow the teachings of Jesus, um, wants to respect the authority of the Bible. We've got a vision of a flourishing society. We've got a vision of maybe what, what things will be like in the eschaton to use another, which is, um, the, the 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 eternal state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What it's going to be like whenever what heaven will be whenever like. God comes back and sets all things right. Yeah. Um, that's another thing that I think we could get better about is starting the story of the gospel in Genesis one instead of Genesis three. Um, God created all these things good, and the beginning of the story is good in every way, and then everything gets screwed up, and then there's conflict, and then there's a climax at the cross, and there's all, and but it's going to end good. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, we're, we're, so all I was saying so is it's valid for us like, to go. Yeah. We want to, we want the the direction of our culture to head toward that end state where there is flourishing and there's peace and there's not war and there's not oppression and there's not injustice and all of that stuff, uh, and and to recognize that our version of that good end state may not be the same as the version from someone from another faith tradition or no faith tradition. We have to be able to have those conversations without making enemies of the people we're having conversations with. So some of the things that you talk about in your writing is that Christians need to tell better stories. Mm. What do you mean by that? And how can, how can those who want to, how can they do it right? I think one of the things that we've, that we've gotten wrong is that we've reached for legislative, legislative solutions for cultural problems. Mm. 
um, that we've gone to politics to solve some of these. We, we've realized, oh, our vision of a uh, flourishing society is not the same as this other group's vision of a flourishing society, so let's pass a law. There ought to be a law. We've reached for political solutions, and I just don't think that's how um, culture works. So the, the column you're referring to, I, I mentioned this guy named Eric Loximo, who I, I think is brilliant. He, he's, a, he's a great guy and just really super guy down to earth. I got to meet him when our church did a moving film night thing years ago. Uh, he used to be a, congress, a staffer on a congressional staffer on Capitol Hill, and he moved from D.C. to L.A. Uh, because he said he came to the realization that politics is downstream of culture, that whatever issues we're debating, gay marriage, um, religious freedom, whatever it is, have been informed by the culture and the stories that we tell and the heroes that we celebrate and all that for years and years before it ever gets to a debate on the House floor, right? Mm -hmm. And so what if we were more focused on telling better stories that were winsome, that showed the beauty of the gospel? Um, I'll, I'll share another story from that from that column, but there's a guy named Patrick White. I'm actually borrowing, borrowing the story from Michael Frost, who's another great resource. I love hearing him tell stories, but he tells a story about this Australian poet named, Michael, named uh, Patrick White, who was an atheist, um, had, you know, had no, didn't care about at God, and I, th I think maybe was pretty bombastic about it, um, who had this experience where he was humbled. And it was a silly little thing. He's walking to feed his dogs in the backyard, in his backyard, he slips, it was raining, he slips and falls, and he's laying, he said dog food goes all over, and he said he's laying there on his back, and the, the way Frost tells it, he said, he said he's looking up at the sky, raindrops the size of baby's fists, he says, <laughs> which I love that, um, and he just felt so small and helpless, and he said he's cursing a God that he doesn't believe in, mm. and he realized in that moment how small he was and how maybe there's something beyond here and now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he and his partner start going to church and they go to church and they show up and they hear a sermon about how these people in the church were all, um, the preachers condemning them because he knows a lot of them went to the local fair or whatever mm -hmm. and played a game of chance and guessed how many beans were in a jar. And that's gambling. And so that's sinful. And you all, and Patrick Wise sitting in the back row and he realizes the God who spoke to me in raindrops and mud and my helplessness yeah. doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be the same voice I'm hearing mm -hmm. here at church. What if he had come and he had heard about, um, about forgiveness, about grace, about the, the un, you know, the unmatched beauty of the gospel, mm -hmm. maybe it would have turned out different for him. Yeah, as a pastor, those stories always haunt me because you realize that when people come into one of our environments, you only get one shot. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, so I always want to make sure that in that one shot that we we accurately display the heart of God, not inaccurately, you know, yeah. not obscure the yeah. heart of God. And mm -hmm. yeah, so so with with Christians wanting to be influential, I'm just going to press into this a little bit more. You know, we have a point of view, let's say. And I, not a lot of people listening are not Christians, right? So they think we're full of spit. Right. So they, right. And so when we're, because right now. And by the way, they might be right because we're humans and we're all full of spit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we, we live in a, you know, that we're, we're set up as a plural, pluralist mm -hmm. society. 
And in my view, so I'm just going to have you respond to that. In my view as, as Christians, right, we're really called to hold each other accountable to what we believe, but not hold people outside of our belief system. I mean, how, why mm. would they haven't signed up? Like, why would, you know, right, why would they right. do that? Or to try to legislate that with laws mm-hmm. and all that, it, you know, is more problematic than helpful. So what we're trying to do is influence through, you know, creating this counterculture, of this community called church, right, mm-hmm. to display, hey, this, a, you know, at least consider this, right? And here it, um, and I want to have freedom to do that, but also want other groups to have freedom to do their deal in a pluralist culture. Um, and in my view, Christians should be the best pluralists, mm. not the worst. Mm-hmm. Talk about the difference a little bit. What would that look like if we were the in a pluralist culture, um, in a, in this world of ideas, right. where we have a point of view that we right. hope others will consider how can we the, be the best of pluralists not the worst so you know what i what first comes to mind which i think is really important the most often repeated command in scripture um, is be not afraid uh, and i think fear is the and not just among christians fear is the um it's the currency of our age right now mm-hmm. everyone is either afraid or or con- trying to convince you that you ought to be more afraid <laughs> right yeah right um and what if we were just unafraid of, um, of that cultural exchange? Mm-hmm. I feel like we're so afraid of losing um, some capital. Well, if we, if we admit that we're a pluralist society, then we're going to lose some kind of ground, some kind of capital. And what if we could trust God through that and, and we're just unafraid of, of that dynamic of living in a world of competing ideas? And if... Our, you know, our worldview is is more compelling and is more eternal and is more yeah. beautiful. Then th- things will work out. And if not, then we might maybe we will be counted worthy of suffering, because that's the other thing that we do is we. I think we're the American evangelical church doesn't seem super willing to suffer. Mm. We want to be able to just. Yeah. Um, and and what if we had the attitude of you know I'm thinking of the um, of Peter who was, you know mistreated for for preaching what if we had that attitude of i i i rejoice that i was counted worthy of suffering for the gospel um we can do that wrong you can get you can get that twisted too and Mm -hmm. have the martyr complex and uh, you know what was me but um yeah i think uh be not afraid right Mm -hmm. yeah and i I think you know christian suffering and just for the heck of it it's for the sake of others you know and if that's what we were known for and we Mm -hmm lay aside our life for the sake of other people that would change things pretty drastically as opposed mm. to trying to grab you know uh, yeah. from other people to yeah. and we worry about um i hear this a lot too well if we do that then someone's going to take advantage of it or it, the same thing happens in politics forget the faith element but you know if my side doesn't escalate the other side's going to escalate and so we get we're trapped in this arms race it happens in politics it happens in faith um, but that's not leadership. Leadership is being willing to be the first one to take a risk, to say, I'm going to do the right thing, even if it doesn't turn out well for me. Um, and if we could do what you're saying, I think people would follow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask Hillary to take us positive here in just a minute, <laughs> but I'm going to go negative a little bit. Okay. So, uh, and I always knew you were the positive. Person. Yeah. Well, yeah. she, well, she thanks. does bring yeah. life into everything, you know, right. And, uh, but uh, you you had said a statement about power in one of your in one of your articles that I thought was uh, was really helpful and I'll 
or it's just one of those statements you read and you're like, okay, I get that. And I'm going to, I'm going to put on my glasses so I can read it. But here's your quote. Uh, Christianity functions best when it has the least power. Hmm. Um, or do you remember writing that? Yeah. <laughs> Talk uh, which I can't take credit for. I think it was uh, one of my seminary professors, Glenn, Glenn Kreider, who, who I was quoting. And I think he maybe was quoting uh, MLK, but the idea is, well, the idea is biblical, so maybe we'll give God the credit. Um, but I don't think that the church was ever meant to be in charge of the culture where she operates. We're, we're meant to be salt that's sort of rubbed into the culture around us. But not So if you read through the New Testament, I, I can't read Paul and imagine that he could ever imagine um, that Caesar would be a Christian. Mm-hmm. He's thinking we're... We're a minority. We're going to try to live such good lives among the pagans that they would glorify God in the day he visits us. That's our role. We're to be the the minority who blesses their neighbors. That's what we're doing. Um, and if you'd have told him, well, what what what's the role if the whole culture is Christianized and the president or the Caesar is a Christian, he'd be like, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it would just be out of his. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we're meant to be a... a a seasoning voice, a prophetic voice, the conscience of the culture. And when we get in charge, uh, it, things tend to go wacky, I think. I think that's been true since 313 or whenever it was. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we do know that there are a lot of people out there, people of faith, who are loving others sacrificially and making strides in these areas. What are some things that you've seen that you find encouraging? Because I know there are a lot of people, and that's why we're having this conversation. We want more people to start, you know, looking at life this way. So what are you seeing that encourages you? Uh, I think of people in just neighborhoods, just everyday people. But I also think of there are faithful um, Christians serving in important areas of influence so I mentioned uh, Stephen Colbert in this thing, and he had yeah. this beautiful moment in his show where he talked about his faith. He's Catholic and talked about living in light of eternity, which uh, that's a phrase I've heard a million times at church. And, mm-hmm. um, um, it, but then he gets condemned because it wasn't really, it wasn't the four spiritual laws, right, that he presented. Um, so, you know, he's an example. Eric Locksmo is an example. I quoted this professor at, uh, at the University of Oklahoma, uh, you know, serving in a state school who's a believer and is writing important stuff. So people are, are serving, are, are doing that in important sort of areas of influence. I think the world, again, we talked about they love Jesus but not the church. I think if you, if you can do your craft well and you can do it authentically, that you, you have a little humility. You mentioned humility, Jeff. Um, you don't think you have all the answers. And you are good at your craft. Stephen Colbert is good at his craft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then the world has all kinds of time to listen to your Jesus talk. Um, if you're not, and you're just lobbing, you know, pot shots from the cheap seats, then people don't have as much time for that. But the other, mm. maybe more relevant answer to your question is, I know lots of people who, their neighbors would actually say, I- instead of the negative version, which I said a minute ago, like, I know an evangelical, why would we want a country uh-huh. full of them? <laughs> I know a lot of people who their neighbors would say, oh, yeah, I know an evangelical, and that guy is awesome. He's the most loving. Um, if I... Something's wrong in my house at three in the morning. That's the guy I'm going to call because, and there's tons of people like that. They don't get press. Um, we don't talk about them that much, but man, there are Christ-like um, Christians yeah. all over the place, and it's beautiful. So yeah. they're yeah. the salt. 
yeah, yeah really, you know, yeah. it is interesting like, when you read through the New Testament as Christians do, uh, you know, the command, there's so many commands about um, where we are just in our normal life, in our workplace, in our wherever, you know, just like you said, I think you what that you quoted a Bible verse early out of, I think it's first Peter mm-hmm. about live such good lives among normal people that, you know, you, that you create a sense of suction, you create a sense of curiosity of, you know, not it's it's more pull than push. Yeah. And uh, it'd be great if we got if we got to that. Yeah. Right. Um, well, if you were in the spirit of sort of a last word here, I'm, I'm going to say two last words, but. Let's say let's say somebody's listening who is not a maybe positive about Jesus, but certainly not positive about church. One of those kind of people of, you know, hey, look, they've had a bad experience of Christians. And and so their experience of this conversation is, yeah, Christians are full of spit. I get it. I'm like, I'm with that girl. Um, What would what would you say to that person uh, in related to what we've talked about and for the person who maybe is a an evangelical Christian who's maybe still just a little bit disoriented, like mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. You know, I don't. <laughs> I kind of want our culture to be Christian, but right. I I don't want to ruin things and I don't want to go out the wrong way. So let's go with the yeah. person outside and then the person inside of evangelical Christianity. The person outside, um, actually, can we do the opposite? Yeah, the person yeah. inside. Uh, I just think. Um, I, I think it's healthy. We were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. I think it's healthy for the culture around us to see our internal dialogue about that, to see us self-correct. Mm. Um, and I think Jesus felt that way too. Jesus reserved his most harsh, sometimes really harsh, uh, condemnation for religious leaders, for people in the in crowd, in the religious mm-hmm. in crowd. Right? I, one of the one of the guys, a pastor that I really love and look up to. Um, I was toying with this idea of writing kind of a, a, a retelling of the gospel story in a, in a novel. What if Jesus came in, you know, 2022, what would his Twitter handle be? You know, <laughs> um, and this guy goes, he goes, you know what? I just, I don't know if I would recognize him. Huh. And I go, and this guy is, I mean, he's Christ-like. He uh-huh. is, he's a pastor that, um, he's, he's terrific. And I go, really, really? And he goes, yeah, the people that didn't recognize him the first time were me yeah they were religious leaders and so actually you know in an ironic way that i respect him more for that i felt like he's he's has the humility to recognize Mm -hmm. um that so all that to say um jesus had all kinds of grace for the prostitute and the outsider and the 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 penitent the tax collector the the publican that we would call that we would you know rail against Mm -hmm. um but he wasn't afraid of the believing community self-correcting in front of the world. So this conversation is not like, well, we got to get our stuff in order behind closed doors so we can present our, you know, perfect righteous face to the world. Uh It's okay for us to wrestle with this in front of non-believers. So I think maybe sort of taking part of the conversation, being willing to admit we're wrong. Humility is, is super important. The other thing about the person outside to me is easy and I hope it doesn't sound like a cop out, but, um, Jesus is, I'm trying to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to tell them, follow me because I follow Jesus. 
Actually, that's been, Paul did say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to be your intermediary. I mean, that's what I yeah. believe yeah. is that we don't need an intermediary. And so um, please don't judge Jesus by my, I'm trying to behave well, mm-hmm. but don't judge Jesus by my behavior or the behavior, or your behavior or the behavior of the church. Um, but if you read the Gospels, um, if you spend some time with Jesus in his words, oh, there's, there's no way not to want to follow that. There's no way not to fall mm. in love with yeah. with that. So that's kind of the church answer is, but yeah, fo- it's okay if you think Christians are full of spit, because most of us probably are. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Jesus is. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. That's a great note to end on. So Ryan Sanders, if people want to follow you, read more of what you've written, grab a copy of your book, where do they need to go? Yes. Well, um, subscribe to the Dallas Morning News in order to save local journalism in America. So do that. Amen. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I, I try to, it, my Twitter handle is at the Ryan Sanders because I try to find the most pretentious Twitter handle. <laughs> so it's the yeah. Ryan Sanders. The... Um, and then, um, you can, yeah, that those are the best best sources. Yeah. Well, I feel very fortunate that we got the Ryan Sanders yeah, I know. to it's come so... on the podcast today. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Sanders was taken. <laughs> My first initial was taken. It was also yeah. No, I love it. Thank you so much for being here. This has been this has been a great conversation and I think one that we've been wanting to have for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's it's encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. So well we thank you all for tuning in, for listening. Please continue to like, subscribe, send us comments, let us know what your thoughts are on the episode, and I'm sure we'll have Ryan back for another deep dive into these conversations sometime yeah, soon. Please. But Thanks, thank you so much for watching and remember to get out there and make it good. If you're still watching or listening, I'm really glad you are because we thought on this particular episode it would be good to kind of have an after party. <laughs> but to just have this a little, is quite the party. Yeah, right. you know, there ain't no party like a <laughs> no, yeah. good complex after party. Uh, for sure. But uh, no, we thought it'd be good to just talk a little bit about that. Just, uh, you know, Greg is one of our hosts and involved in the good complex and especially this episode, because this one was very church oriented. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are not Christians or not hanging around church very much, it might have felt a little bit uh, different. Yeah. It's kind of an internal conversation for Christians a little bit. uh, Yeah. You sort of eavesdropped. Bible words. felt like that. Theology words and all that. Yeah. Eschaton. Yeah. Eschaton. That was uh, always my favorite. Which means. uh, End times. End times. There you Mm -hmm. go. So, um, but in a really important conversation. And um, so. Yeah, in, in fact, I think it illustrates what he said at the end to Christians, which is, hey, it, it's, it's, it's appropriate and it's good for us to be really honest with each other mm-hmm. about and have these conversations. And, and that's kind of what, you know, you experienced today is a, a self-corrective conversation of, hey, we're not being Jesus. Like we're not, right. the way we're engaging culture is, is is not godly. It's not like Jesus. It's not working. Uh, and, and it's, it's actually counterproductive and it's 
the opposite of what we're called to yeah. do. And it felt, it was a very different type of conversation, it felt like, for the good complex. You know, we have been, um, we've tried to be very cognizant that the audience of the of the good complex is, is pretty broad, and we've um, wanted to be just um, very mindful of that. And this was, you know, it felt like an internal conversation, but I really liked what he said, that it's, that it's okay for us to have these conversations in front of the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that one of the things, at least my sort of commentary as I look at the, particularly the evangelical church, is that, that, is that a lot that we see going on is kind of a product of our own making a mm-hmm. little bit, that we have, we have taught our people how to be right and not how to be wrong. And so there's no, there's not a lot of examples of Christians sort of saying, you know what, we've kind of, we've kind of gone a long way down the wrong road here, and we need to back the truck up, or to, or to at least demonstrate these, uh, a willingness for some humility that we do want good, and what we've been doing has not been producing good fruit, and so we need to, we need to have some, some hard conversations. Yeah, also, so. also think we haven't prepared people, like you said, we prepare people to be right, but not necessarily to be loving. Right. You know, yes. and yeah. so we think, man, the, the way to reach the world or to help, you mm-hmm. know, is we're right. They're wrong. So we're going to use our power. We're going to use our voice to legislate our view because it's right. right and everything else is wrong. Yeah. Which Jesus never called us to that way of living or thinking. It was just love people, which which then causes people to be curious. Right. And the Bible talks about that, you know, for Christians to live in a way that draws people not mm-hmm. not repulses but makes people curious and 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 want to know yeah what did jesus see and is that better and right. do i want to do that or not because we can you can you know there's a whole we'll need to have some other conversations around the whole concept of culture war and um that's a that's a big deep yeah. hole you know yeah. that we can talk about but that's a a lot of um Evangelicalism, particularly, um, has been built at least from the 80s, from the 1980s on, around sort of culture war language and taking culture back and all that kind of stuff. And um, and we kind of forget that, like, so okay, so so maybe we win this battle. What actually do we win? You know, like right. you you can win the battle and lose the war, like that kind of stuff. And I think that, at least from my reading, I mean, I, I think that what Jesus teaches us is that love is the only tool in our toolbox that actually works, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that, you know, the law doesn't work and threat of punishment doesn't work. Love is the, is the only thing that can change the human heart and changing the human heart is the only thing that can actually change a culture. And so that's our one bullet is just to sort of love people and be the most loving people on the planet. And, um, and when you think, when you think that is the thing that Jesus has called us to, and then you look at the church, it's like, how did we get here? You know, it's, it's, it's puzzling. So it was a, a good conversation. And, you know, so for people that there might be people outside, you know, that have just a little bit of understanding or, or what they see from the church is, you know, certain leaders or whatever, and maybe not know that these kind of conversations are going on of among pastors and among church leaders that are saying, you know, we need to, we need to course correct a little bit. Yeah. Um, and they, they definitely are going on. And it's really good news that there is this massive, I mean, in evangelicalism, there's this split really of people mm-hmm. who are saying, kind of doubling down in the culture war kind of thing. Right. Um, but then others who are saying, hey, wait a minute, that was a big oops. Like, what right. were we thinking? You know, we're never called, that's not who we're called to be and what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, who are trying to recover 
um, this is about Jesus and living like him and loving like him. And, um, and it's, it's not about trying to create a Christian. We're not the Christian Taliban. We're not right. trying to enforce our morality on people who don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, I, I, I'm hopeful. I think it's going to be a turbulent few years yes. in Christianity. Yeah. And you'll probably see that for those of you who are outside of Christianity. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But hopefully you'll see a whole lot more Christians sort of recovering what it means to be like Jesus and, and just to, to live like yeah. him. So. Yeah. so this is just one of, one of those conversations. And um, if it seemed kind of odd, hope, hopefully it was informative, you know, that these that these kind of conversations are going on. And here at the Good Complex, and if you're watching the Good Complex, uh, you are you're wanting to make the world a better place. And so are we. And so we, we really do believe that our common ground is the is the common good. And uh, as Jesus followers, as both Jeff and I are, not everyone at the Good Complex is, as, as Jeff said, um, we want to do better. I, even as individuals, we want to do better. Yeah. And as leaders, we want to do better. Um, and we think that Jesus has something to say about that. So thanks for hanging with us, being patient with us. And as mm-hmm. Hillary said, I think it was like, make it good. Yeah, I like make that. it good. That's so right. make it good.